0: God, we're going to open up Your Word, and we're going to take a look at our world again. And God, that's not an easy thing to do. It's not a comfortable thing to do. It's not always a fun thing to do. We're going to take a look at a, a tough topic that's found its way to the front page of the news once again. And then we're going to take a look at uh, we're going to take a look at the end of all things. And God, um, just ask that You would open our ears and our hearts and our minds, that we would be about Your business. We would be looking to Your truth. We would be looking to Jesus and we would be looking to be how it is that we can be people who live faithfully, uh, according to your word, God, who live faithfully in uh, the things that we think, the things that we believe, the things that we choose, that we choose them because of you. And so God, just we give you this time now and trust that uh, your, your will would be done and that it would be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So remember, I I start every week the same way, and I'm going to do it again today. My intention is not to offend you. Offense is a tool that the devil uses to divide people from each other. The devil uses offense to keep people in church from being friends with people who don't agree with them. All kinds of things. Offense is not my intention. What I would like to do, what I hope I can do, is to challenge your thinking challenge you on why you believe what you believe and are the things that are most important, the things that you take the strongest stand on. Do you believe them because they're in the Bible or do you believe them for another reason? And my hope is that I can challenge you to think about what that is. What, what is your reason for believing what you believe, for doing what you do, for choosing what you choose? And then the way that we're approaching this whole series, what in the world is going on with our world? There's a couple of things that I think is really important that we keep in mind. Number one, we always want to love people like Jesus does. We want to seek ways to be in in relationships with people that honor God and that help us to talk to them about Jesus. And the second thing is we want to make sure that we always treat Scripture with the authority that Jesus treated Scripture He understood that God's Word is truly God's Word and is relevant and real for us today. And so we need to make sure that we do that as well. I told you last week that I didn't have time to get into the the one world government and the one world currency system and uh, the mark of the beast and all that. And, And so we're going to do that today. That's part of what we're going to talk about and see what it is that's in the Bible, what is there and what isn't there. And and this is a topic uh, you can do entire uh, school courses on. And so we're obviously not going to get in that deep. Before we do, though, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at how did we get so divided in the first place? How in the world did our country end up so polarized about all things? And so I decided to look at the news. So I did some researching into where do we go for news? What do we trust as our news outlet? And so right now you've all decided, here's what I trust, you've got this in your mind. That's good. I hope Facebook is not in anybody's mind at the moment. So I found a couple of of really good research reports that had done studies And the one that that was the easiest to understand and to convey in this was very consistent with the other one that I found. And they just surveyed a whole bunch of people and they said, what is to you the most trustworthy news source? And they gave them a list of all these different options. And so I'm going to talk about the first two, the two most trustworthy to Americans. Number one, by the way, is almost twice as trusted as number two, almost twice. So, you ready? Think about where it is. If you need to get the truth, you hear about something that's going on in the world, I just want to know how I should think about this. I want to know what's really happening. You think about who you turn to right now. Do you know what the number one most trusted news organization in the United States voted by you, the people? You know what number one is? The Weather Channel. I'm not joking. The Weather Channel, where their primary business is to hope that they get the forecast right 50% of the time, then they're in good shape. The number one most trustworthy news, which means all the other news organizations, are less than half uh, half right all the time. Because the Weather Channel, if they can get it right 50% of the time, that's a good deal. That's number one. Most Americans, the highest percentage, believe by a long margin that the Weather Channel is the most trustworthy outlet to get your news from. Number two, go ahead, somebody wager a guess, what do you think? And number two is a long way away from number three. The BBC, the British Broadcast Corporation, yes, the news channel that is funded and delivered to the world by those people we fought a war 250 years to get ourselves away from and fought for freedom. We now trust them more than our own news companies. The British broadcast, I'm not joking about this, BBC is number two by a long way. We've come so far that we don't even trust our own nation's news outlets to tell us the truth. We would rather have a weatherman deliver the news. So what about all the other ones you're thinking? Good question, fair enough. Because the reality is cable news these days has more become advertising dollar-driven propaganda than it is news. You know, we talk about this fake news and and conspiracy theory, and that's where it all comes from. So what about all those other organizations? Well, without going through all of them, there was about seven of them that were listed below this little line and these red marks that showed how trustworthy disappeared, and they started going to the left. And if your choice is CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, you have negative trustworthy ratings for your organization. Negative trustworthy most people look to those too, but we don't even trust them. And so when we talk about news, we talk about what to believe. We're in America where we're challenging. If we don't agree with whatever the majority seems to be, we get hammered on it pretty hard. So this I'm going to present to you is the single source of trustworthy news in the world. If you want to know what to believe or what to do, how to act, what to think, this book is the one that we can trust. Talking about end times, uh, because that's one of the things we need to talk about, what in the world's going on with our world. There's a couple of portions of Scripture that are primarily cover the, the end time stuff. One of is in the Old Testament, one is in the New Testament. If you're a no- taker, here you go. The first one, Daniel 7: 16 to 24. You're going to have to read these after now because we're not going to get into them in depth right now. Daniel 7: 16 to 24. The second one is in uh, the end of the New Testament. Revelation, Really, chapter 13 is kind of the focus. But the whole book of Revelation is about end times. Here's the thing. When we want to study the book of Revelation, we need to understand that the Revelation is about the revelation of Jesus Christ, Son of God. The Revelation is about Jesus coming again. That's what the whole book is about. And so a lot of the information that gets, that gets presented on both Daniel and on Revelation is an interpretation, and interpretations can easily lead to misinterpretations. But those two places aren't the only place that the Bible talks about end times. Second Thessalonians 2, 1 to 17 does a great job describing the end of days. It's a great passage to read if you want to understand it. And then we've got Matthew 24. And it's interesting in Matthew 24, we're going to take a look at that one because this is probably the best way to avoid misinterpretation is because we're going to look at the words of Jesus himself. Jesus testimony about it is identical to what happens in revelation it's just that Jesus is a bit easier to understand it matches perfectly but it's a little easier to understand so let's go Matthew 24 starting in verse 1 Matthew 24 verse 1 Jesus left the temple and he was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple well temple mount in Jesus day did, didn't just have the temple there was a number of buildings it's a huge part of the city of Jerusalem a tremendous amount of area and they pointed out those buildings And he answered them, you see all of these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. That's significant because even today the the corner wall of Temple Mount is built on stones that were there from the first time that wall was knocked down. Because in that day, getting stones quarried into where they were to build was not an easy process. And so stones were often reused when buildings had been knocked down in terms of an earthquake or war or whatever it was. But Jesus says, though, not be one left that will not be thrown down. Then it goes on in verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives. So he's east of the city of Jerusalem looking into Temple Mount, which is the first place across the wall in the city. The disciples came to him privately. They didn't want everybody else listening. They were hoping he'd give them some inside information. And they said, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. That's what everybody wants to know, right? Just give us a date on the calendar and a time so we can be ready. I want to take care of any business I need. I need to take care of with you before that. And Jesus answered them, well, see that no one leads you astray. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And yet, that's probably the single most important thing that we could possibly understand. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that statement. Don't let anyone lead you astray. All those news organizations, whether they're trustworthy ones or not, are going to lead you astray. I promise you, I guarantee. This book, the Bible, will not lead you astray. Conspiracy theories, fake news, entertainment, or God's Word. What do you want to base your life and your eternity on? Because that's really the decision that we make in this country. He goes on and he says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's been happening since Jesus said it. It's certainly happening today. People have come to lead people astray, and there's been wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place But the end is not yet. This must take place. People get afraid of the book of Revelation because it sounds scary. I don't want to live through that. I don't want to have to go through that stuff. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. There's that that old joke that says everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Everybody is looking forward to Jesus coming back. We just don't want to have to live through what happens between now and then. But some of us aren't going to have a choice. Whether we're alive today or whether it happens when we're all gone, it's not all going to be fun. The journey isn't going to be fun, but the end product is going to be amazing for all of us who know Jesus. Why? Verse 7, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We've been seeing that for as long as any of us have been alive. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. He uses an interesting example there since he's talking to all men. So what is it that we know about birth pains? Well, they start kind of slow and and subtly. But but they grow. they, They build. And as they build, it might take time. And with Jesus' example, these things are going to start happening slowly. And you might think that it's beginning for a long time before you realize it. But eventually it's going to get to a point where things start happening more quickly and it's very painful to live through. For the first time in my entire ministry career, 23 years I really think that we're beginning to see some of these happen in real time in our lives. Real time in our lives, we are seeing history being written, biblical prophecy being lived out, and history being written on a scale that will be remembered forever. And yes, part of it's going to be painful to live through. Verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. We don't want to think about that. I don't want to have to live through that part. But the Bible says that's part of what's coming. It's the political and the religious leaders, those who despise the name of Jesus, who can't stand to hear Jesus being spoken about in a good way, and all of his would-be followers. That's what they're talking about. Those who hate Jesus and everybody who follows and listens to them, they're the ones who are going to try to put people to death and we're going to be hated because of Jesus' name. We're beginning to see that happen in our world in new and different ways. And then there's a warning in verse 10. He says, Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. You see that at work in our world just like I do. The idea of how could someone betray somebody that they care about. It, here's the sad part. Believers will deny Jesus and fall away, but they're also going to betray each other. In China right now, there's this thing going on called social credits. And the access that you have to the best housing and, and to the best interest rates and the best restaurants is all based on a social score. And they've got cameras all over the place. And they keep track of you. And if you hang out with the wrong people or buy the wrong stuff, your social score gets down and it gets harder for you to get the better things in life. But if your social score goes up, then it becomes easier. One of the ways that you can increase your social score is to turn people who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing into the government. There is an encouragement to betray each other. Verse 11. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. We've been seeing an increase in this, but this has happened since Jesus' day. The false prophets are the ones that would preach a message that is contrary to the gospel, right? Or it's different than the gospel of Jesus. the different from the gospel of salvation in Jesus' name alone. You know of people as well as I do that say there's many ways to God. There's all kinds of ways to get to heaven. There's not just one path. You can choose different ways. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. If we believe Scripture is true, then that is not true. There's going to be an increase in gospel-sounding preaching that in fact preaches obedience to the government because that's what the Antichrist is going to demand and worship of self. And in America, if we have not chosen the God of self, and I mean small g God of self more than anything else, I don't know that a culture in the world has done it more than we have. You look back at the history of Rome. They did the same thing. Our attentions and our affections are being challenged to be led away from Jesus. Actually, what's happening is we're being pressured not just to see God in a negative light, but to speak about God in a negative light. And what results is verse 12, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. The reason that lawlessness increases is because people are worried about their own self-interest first, rather than God's created design and order for humanity. And so when we get focused on us, then it doesn't matter doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. God tells us not to it. It doesn't matter because I want to. I don't need to tell you about the lawlessness and the ridiculous that surrounds it, supports it, encourages it, and protects the lawlessness in this country today. You're aware of it as I am, but our lawlessness and sin is not the end of God at work in our world. Because lawlessness and sin has been a part of, of humanity since the beginning. But we're seeing an increased amount of it. So how about we jump in and talk about what's going on in the world and and, uh, see how we do with not being offended and challenging our thinking, shall we? Front page of the paper came out with quite an article this week. Did you read it? There was a leaked document. Right. It was not leaked. It was presented. And the thing that came out was that the Supreme Court is apparently on the verge of overturning the landmark ruling that we know as Roe v. Wade. And everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. So I think it's fairly important that we talk about it. See, Roe v. Wade initiated and made legal what has become this free-for-all that our nation has now entrenched as a basic reproductive right. Now, my hope is not to upset you. My hope is not to step on your toes, My hope is to challenge your thinking. Why do you believe what you read? When you saw that in the newspaper, you had an immediate response to it. Either it was, yes, it's about time, or they can't do that. That's not fair. That's not right. They've got no business. So what is it that the Bible has to say? Or or is it that you're, you're taking your truth from somewhere else? See, we've been challenged to not believe Scripture, but to believe what we want to believe and to form our own own opinions. And Satan has used that against us. So let's just start with with something scripturally that's pretty basic. The ending of a human life is not a reproductive issue. It's an issue of choice and convenience. And, And I realize that's not a popular statement, so the language around this issue has become deceiving. In Minnesota, we're led by a governor who made the front page this week with a statement that said, not on my watch. That, to me, sounds like someone who's appealing to his constituency, saying, I will be your savior. The laws of the land do not always support and endorse the law of God. But that doesn't mean the laws of the land should supersede. If we don't lead with faith in everything that we believe then we're being followers who are being led astray. See, what happened is what what Roe v. Wade brought to America was we took something that was was a biblical issue, murder, and we put it to vote, and we put it to vote, it immediately polarized people. Either we agree or we don't. And then we believe that we've got a right to believe, and when the law is passed, well then, off things go. And so, rather than getting offended or upset with me, I'm going to refer you back to the commandment, thou shalt not murder God's law. But see, here's the hypocrisy because the whole issue doesn't exactly go down the same road real easy all the time. God says thou shalt not murder. The government says that it's okay. So why is it then that this law is actually working out two different ways? To me, this is the hypocrisy in the thinking. You can't call an unborn infant a thing to be terminated on demand. And at the same time, call that a child, because if a man kills a woman who's pregnant, she gets in a car accident, he shoots her, whatever happens, it's a double homicide. So which is it? can't be a matter of convenience. See, the fact is they tell us, politicians tell us, trust the science. We're going by the science. Well, the science says that it's alive in one case and that it isn't alive in the other. Which is it? You don't get to have it both ways. But in America, we've created laws where we get to have it both ways. Is it it a nuisance or is it a life? Why is it health care if the mother kills the child, but if it's murder, if someone else does? See, the language even gets confused and the language is meant to twist us up and to catch us. But let's call it for what it is. Is that little thing inside all of the mom's bellies when she becomes pregnant a life or isn't it? At what point? God says that he knew us since before we were in our mother's womb. So I, I refer back to God created the male and female. Talked about that last week. We talk about Thou shalt not kill, and yet we form laws that says that we can. See, here's a real problem. There, there have been some really powerful cultures in history. Uh, when we were in Israel, we stood at the gates of hell, and the reason the gates of hell exists because these incredibly powerful cultures, huge armies, huge nations, powerful people, they've all been lost to the pages of time. They're no longer in existence. But they all had one thing in common. The one thing that they had in common is that they celebrated the ritual sacrifice and murder of unwanted infants. That's the one thing that they all shared. See, they did it to please their gods, but in America, we just do it to please ourselves. It's a choice. It's an option. It's what the law says I get to do. But I'll say again, our lawlessness... And our sin is not the end of God at work in our world, and that is our hope. Remember, Satan wants to divide us, and he wants to take hot topic issues like this one in our world. And rather than us being able to have conversations about them based in Scripture, he wants us to argue based on our opinion. And I want to challenge you to something greater than that. I want to challenge you to something more. Even if you don't agree, use your Bible and tell me why. Don't just tell me that I'm wrong. If you've got someone that you're going to have a conversation with, don't disown them as a friend because they don't agree with you. Try to understand why they believe what they do and use Scripture as your basis for the conversation. So the Bible says there's going to be this person called the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to be uh, one who will appear on earth and will be viewed as the savior of all of the world's problems. This person is going to come along and take even hot-button issues like this and say, I'm going to make it all better. We're all going to get along. It's all going to be good. The Antichrist is going to present himself as good and many people are going to be fooled and he's put in place by the devil and he will do nothing but bring death and destruction because that's what the enemy does. He'll deceive Christians who are not careful and discerning. Matthew twenty-four, twenty-four says, for false Christ, false saviors, small Christ, or small C, false saviors, And false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray. Not on my watch. Maybe he gets it. Uh, Abortion is somehow circumvents the Supreme Court and is able to remain legal in Minnesota. He just saved that one. A lot of those false prophets are going to arise. That's why we teach the Bible. If you don't know what the Bible says and does not say, if you don't know it when you're challenged on something, when someone says something, doesn't your Bible say this? Doesn't God say this? Uh, We had a president this week that said that uh, something to the effect that uh, God's children have a right to an abortion. Do you know what the Bible says on the issue? Otherwise, we take this person who's in a tremendous position of power and we just have to believe him. How are we going to be able to know the difference between God's truth and Satan's deceptions if we don't know God's Word. Because Satan makes his lies and his temptations sound so desirable. He makes them sound so good. And that is how believers are going to be tricked into falling away from God. Because they're actually going to be thinking they do the next best thing. That's why reading God's Word daily and learning and growing and being in connection and relationships with other believers are so important. We need to know God's Word and we need to talk about it with other people. If we don't know God and God's character, you're going to fall for anyone who makes a claim to know Him better than you. We've seen cult leaders through the years who have come back and said that I'm the Christ. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the new Jesus. And people follow these guys, and it doesn't ever go well for them. Somehow they all end up dead on the wrong side of heaven. They followed the wrong leader. Follow God, not people. Be careful, is Jesus' warning. I read... A couple of weeks ago, uh, I had to go and, and look it up online to see if it's true. It's true. Uh, a number of years ago, there was a large flock of sheep in eastern Turkey. And they were, they were uh, watched by a group of shepherds. And these shepherds came from a number of different families because there were so many sheep. And the sheep basically represented the wealth of a whole bunch of families in this area. And they're all out one day hanging out and the grass is green and the sun is shining and it's beautiful in eastern Turkey and the shepherds are just sort of hanging out and the the sheep are getting the good grass. And the shepherds notice one sheep, true story now, one sheep walks away from happy time grazing and takes off in search of something else and jumps off a cliff to his death. Shepherds have no idea what's going on. Before they know it, the entire flock of 1,500 sheep follow that one off the cliff and jump all the way down. Now, the good news to the story is that 450 sheep died. The other ones bounced off of their fallen friends and either were injured or were fine and walked away. It's a ridiculous story, but it's true. It's what Jesus calls a sheep. you got to be careful who you follow. You might not be prepared to turn away from where it is that they want to lead you. God and His Word will always lead you in the right direction. Jesus calls us sheep for a reason, and He also says that sheep know their shepherd's voice. You are going to follow the voice that you know. You're going to follow the voice that you trust. You're going to follow the voice that leads you where it is you think you want to be. One of the things the Bible says about the devil's appointed leader who is the Antichrist is that he'll institute a new government. And right away it's going to look really good and it's going to kind of acknowledge everybody out there. There's going to be a new currency, it seems, and a new economic order. Revelations 13.16 says this, The Antichrist will cause all, both small and great. That means people who don't have uh, very much in the world, who live in in places that are away from everyone else, and then the big houses and everyone else uh, that have all the money, the rich and the poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless they have the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. The Antichrist is going to receive all of his power from the devil. There is a mark of the beast. It refers to a man, and the number of that man is 666. What does all that mean? Nobody actually knows, but there are some hints that we can, we can look to. The Antichrist is going to force a mark to be placed on every person that will give him total economic control of the word, world. You'll not be able to buy or sell without the mark. Now, that mark is going to allow him to control buying and selling, spending, where we are, where we go. This mark and the economic system that it is connected to will control people's ability to buy food, to buy clothing, to be able to have a home, to buy gas or electric power, whatever it is, everything. The entire economy is going to be based on this mark. And the mark is the mark of the beast, number 666. Without the mark, you're not going to be able to buy or sell anything. And if you don't have the mark, you're going to be viewed as a traitor to the government. And you will be taken care of accordingly. Accordingly. Now, the mark might not be visible, it's going to be there, but it might not be visible on the hand or the forehead. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? No, it's not, because there's no way that you can tell by looking at someone whether you have the mark or not. And so the Bible says clearly it's going to be visible. But there will be something that will be obvious for the political leaders and the Antichrist to be able to identify who's taken the mark and who hasn't. So, So what does it really mean for practical terms to someone who does not accept the mark on their arm or forehead. You're going, I would never do that. There's no way I'll ever do that. Because if you don't accept the mark of the beast, you're proving your loyalty is not to the new government. You're proving your loyalty lies somewhere else. And either you're going to be killed or naturally starved to death because you're not going to be able to buy food. The only other possible option, the Bible says, is you're going to go what we would say is off-grid, away from the government, away from human eyes. People who would betray you as not having the mark And hope to survive that way. According to the book of Revelation, here's really cool news. There's going to be a remnant of believers who flee into the wilderness and they survive without the mark. Revelation 12, 6, if you want to look it up. Then we got the number. The number 666. It's been written about. It's been talked about. It's been wondered about. The Bible doesn't tell us what it specifically means. But what we know is that it's the number of a man. And and the Hebrews, still to this day, uh, assign a lot of value to numbers and to names. And every character in their alphabet has a numeric value to every one of the letters. And so there's an interesting similarity. Beast, which is talked about in Revelation, equates to 666. Another one does, and you've got to be remembering, this is being written by first century Christians who are living under the oppression of the Roman government. When you put the words Nero Caesar into Hebrew, their numeric value is 666, It becomes interesting for people trying to decipher what this means because you go back and you say, well, what happened to the Roman government? What happened to the Roman authorities? Essentially, sometime in the late 4th century, the Roman Empire was split into two halves and there was basically an eastern part and a western part. And if you go to eastern Europe and you kind of mentally draw a line, that's where it was. There's the eastern government of the, the Roman government and there's the western, but they don't go by that name anymore, right? Here's what's interesting. Political leaders and powers that be seem to have thought it would be important to keep this little bit of history, even though they don't believe in the Jesus or the book of Revelation. If you go to the, the uh, Russian government uh, last century, century before, all of their kings, all of their leaders shared the same title. It wasn't king. What was it? Tsar, Caesar. That's Russian for Caesar. Then you go west of this dividing line into the western part of the, the split Roman government, and another country did that. You go back to the middle part of last century, what did the Germans call their kings? Kaisers. German for Caesar. The events that are prophesied in the book of Revelation have been playing out for 2,000 years. Somehow, for some reason, those political leaders who don't believe one thing about God, the Bible, the prophecies, in Revelation have kept those names alive. Should we be aware? Yep. Should we be afraid? Nope. It's just one more piece to help us understand what's going on. But we have to be very, very careful. When we start naming people as the Antichrist, we start going down a slippery slope because then we start assigning all kinds of value to them that they really might not have. There's going to be one Antichrist. And and the world that that one Antichrist brings into existence is going to be a terrible one. All the world governments that are established are all going to get destroyed into one that he will lead. However, that might seem like a terrifying world that has to pass before the end will come. Jesus says in Matthew 10:16 that he sent, he sent his disciples out into the world and he told them he's sending them out as sheep among the wolves. Yes, there's a reason that I use the example of those sheep that jumped off the cliff. He also says that we're to be as wise as serpents and as gentle or as innocent as doves. In order to do that, we have to know the love of God personally And we have to be able to discern the schemes of the devil. Wolves, they're never going to change their habits. They're never going to stop hunting. A wolf doesn't change how it hunts. It gets better at them the more that they practice. Sheep will always follow the one who's in front of them, whether it's the shepherd that they trust or another sheep, even if it's to their own death. See, Satan uses the same tricks, the same temptations, the same false promises He ever has. Not one of them is in your best interest. In fact, every one of them is designed to lead to your death. And yet every promise, every single promise of God is in your best interest. It's up to us to be able to know and to tell the difference. And yet there's so much pressure on us to fall in love with the world. But the world is only leading us to death. It's God who's leading us to life in Jesus. God promises He does not change. His love for you does not change. That's why our call around here to love Jesus and to love people and to teach people to love Jesus does not change. That focus isn't on us. The responsibility is on us. The focus is on Jesus, which is why His name is in each of the three parts of that. The events in the book of Revelation, Thessalonians, Matthew, those are going to come to pass. They're prophecies, but they're promises. They will come to pass. Well, we can't know the day or the hour, but what we can do is be prepared ourselves and to help others by introducing them to Jesus. To know everything about the book of Revelation, but to not know Jesus does no good at all. Any more than to come to church every Sunday morning and not have Jesus as your Savior does you no good at all. It might make you feel better in this life, but it's going to leave you lacking when it comes to eternity. See, to understand the book of Revelation is to know Jesus, to be aware and not to fear, So if if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, that's a decision you're going to have to make before your life is over. You're going to have to decide whether you believe in Him or whether you don't. Whether you believe this book is God's truth or whether you believe it's just another history book. But if you don't know Jesus, I would would plead with you not to leave here this morning until you do. Uh, There's a light on in this corner. There'll be one on in that corner. Uh, There are people there that would love to talk to you and pray with you. If you don't know Jesus... We don't know when He's coming back. It could be this afternoon. It could be tonight. It could be another 300 years. We don't know. My concern is not the time. My concern is that you're ready. And being ready is to know Him as your Savior. So here's the thing. we got topics. Abortion is one of them. There's a lot of them out there. What we've lost, what we've forgotten in America is this, and this is what I hope that I can remind you of. You can love Jesus And you can love people and still not agree with them. Nobody out there has to agree with you. Nobody has to believe what you believe. But nor do you have to believe what, what they believe. And we've been brought into this place that says, if you don't agree with me and support me no matter what I believe, no matter what I think about myself, then you're wrong and there's something wrong with you. That is not true. Our call as Christians is to believe in God's Word and to first and foremost look to Him, look to Jesus as our Savior. And then to love people and to share that word with them. And sometimes it's a hard one to talk about. But you know what's hanging in the balance? is your eternity and theirs. And so those, those tough conversations are worth having. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it is that you have to say about heaven. What you have to say about the end of days. What it is that you have to say about how it is that we should treat each other, how we should view human life, how how absolutely sacred you see human life, both born and unborn. That we're not to end them, we're not to murder. It's so clear in your commandments, and yet our country has seemed to find a, a workaround that makes people feel good about being able to do just that. But God, that's not what you say. That's not what you have us believe in your word. And so help us to be people who first and foremost believe you. Believe your word, and then everything else that we believe comes from that. Whether it's with our faith, what we choose to follow as religion, what it is that we believe in politics, or where we want to get our news. God, if they're not in line with you, we should not be in line with them. In Jesus' name, amen.